Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. I've got an awesome episode for you today. It breaks down a $400 million functional beverage portfolio that's set to go public in the next week. Before we get started, I would love if you took 51 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Will market leadership in the $2 billion global coconut and plant waters category be enough to push the Vita Coco company to stock market gains? At the end of September, the Vita Coco company, which was a portfolio previously known as All Market Inc., filed its S-1 document with the SEC showing its intention to sell shares in initial public offering and becoming a publicly traded company. The IPO date is set sometime next week, so the week of October 18th, 2021, and the stock will trade on the NASDAQ under the stock ticker COCO, C-O-C-O. I want to run initially through kind of the founding story of VitaCoco. I'm not going to go into as much detail as maybe I normally would because there's actually a great NPR podcast called How I Built This, where they actually chronicled VitaCoco's CEO and founder. So if you wanted to get really into kind of that detail of VitaCoco, I will leave the NPR How I Built This link in this content description. But while VitaCoco was not officially launched until 2004, the story actually starts a year before, and that was when two best friends were meeting at a bar. They met two Brazilian women, which kind of serendipitously led to the creation of VitaCoco because, because one of the best friends, Ira Lyman, actually married one of these women and moved down to Brazil. The other co-founder of VitaCoco, Michael Kerbin, the first time he went down to visit Ira in Brazil, what he noticed was that there was a delicious kind of coconut packaged water on the shelves that was just as ubiquitous to like regular packaged water. And he thought, wow, this is great. I love this. And while he got back to New York City, he went around and kind of looked for the same product, thinking in New York City it has to be available. It was not available or at least as available as it should be. So noticing that there was a white space, noticing that there was a business opportunity here, the two best friends, Michael and Ira, decided to launch VitaCoco. Now, it took them about four months to create the brand, find a contract manufacturer locally in New York City, also a local distributor. took some time for Michael to go store to store and kind of sell the product, but VitaCoco was born in 2004. Now, shifting this kind of the competitive landscape because it started in 2004, it just so happened during the same year in the same New York City market the main competitor of VitaCoco launched, and this was called Zico. Now, a year later, the third of kind of the coconut water wars competitors in the U.S. market called One Coconut Waters. But as these brands started to pick up a lot of momentum, the categorical growth was started to show. 
the large beverage players decided to kind of jump in to the market in 2009. So Coca-Cola acquired a sizable stake in Zico, and then PepsiCo acquired a sizable stake in One Coconut Waters. Now, a few years later, both of those companies fully owned those coconut water competitors to Vitacoco. And a lot of people thought at that time, Vitacoco was dead. I mean, with those two main competitors of Coca-Cola Company and PepsiCo, and you are an independent kind of company, very hard to compete. That categorical growth was not only seen by PepsiCo and, and Coca-Cola Company, a lot of other small upstart emerging brands decided to launch coconut water offerings. And then also kind of retailers, large retailers decided to go in and create private label products. Now, while everybody kind of thought Vitacoco was not going to be the winner in all this, the opposite ended up happening. Vitacoco did what they had always done since the beginning of the company, where they out-hustled their competition, they out-innovated the competition, and they out-maneuvered the competition. And Vitacoco did stay independent throughout that, even though they did eventually sign a distribution agreement with what is now known as Keurig Dr. Pepper, and that makes up somewhere around 22% of their current sales. Vitacoco is now the coconut water market leader in the United States at 46% of the market share. They are actually 36 percentage points higher than their next competitor. So what happened to One Coconut Waters and Zico? Well, PepsiCo decided to shutter a few years ago, One Coconut Waters, and then last year, Coca-Cola decided to shutter Zico. And earlier this year in 2021, the original founder and CEO of Zico decided to buy back the brand from Coca-Cola. Just want to look at the overall like coconut water market landscape. As I mentioned in the introduction, it is a $2 billion global category within the coconut and plant-based waters kind of offerings. Vitacoco was the category creator in the United States when it launched in 2004. The market was only estimated to be about $10 million. Now it's grown to about $658 million in the United States. The U.S. coconut water market did hit its peak in 2016 with the sales dropping somewhere around 16% since that high. And I believe most of this can be attributed to the functional beverage hydration category fragmenting and disseminating across the U.S. market. That being said, the last 26 weeks have been good to coconut water with 15% year-over-year growth. And the category has a cult-like following, and the customer demographic tends to be younger and more multicultural than other major beverage categories. Up to this point, I've only mentioned Vitacoco, and probably for good reason because it makes up about 85% of the total revenue for the Vitacoco company, but there are more brands and offerings to the Vitacoco company. They have been operating inside the better for you functional and natural beverage space for almost two decades. So they have their ears close to the ground and aren't scared to internally create or acquire brands. So they also own Runa, which was acquired in 2018. Runa is the leading plant-based energy drink inspired by a plant native to Ecuador. They own Ever and Ever, which launched in 2019. It is a purified water brand that's sustainably packaged solely in aluminum bottles with a pH balance of 7.4. 
They recently launched PowerLift exclusively on Amazon earlier in 2021, and PowerLift is a flavored protein-infused water. Additionally, Vitacoco has additional coconut oil and coconut milk offerings, along with a newly launched powdered product, Vitacoco Hydration Drink Mix. They're consistently innovating the existing portfolio range to drive wider adoption of their brands, increase consumption occasions, and take market share across the natural beverage category. And I just want to run through a little bit of like the financial data, at least on the high level. So just kind of net sales, also look at some of the gross margins and operational net profitability. In 2019, net sales of the Vitacoco company was $284 million at a 32.7% gross margin. The next year, they grew to $311 million in 2020, up 10% year over year at a at 33.8% gross margin. And then in the first half of 2021, their net sales are $177 million, which is up 15% year-over-year at 29.9% gross margins. Now, the 450 basis point margin decline year-over-year is really attributed to a lot of what's happening in the supply chain and just kind of economic situation of the COVID-19 effect. So you have higher ocean freight costs, you have higher fulfillment and logistics costs, but they have been partially offset by just the increased amount of volume being done across the Vitacoco company. And in the S1 document, they also updated the numbers recently to show what they're expecting for the third quarter of 2021. And those expectations of net sales are somewhere around 112 to $116 million. And this represents about 30% growth year over year. And the company has been able to turn both a operational and net profit throughout the periods that I mentioned. Shifting a little bit of the information over to product sales, the actual branded Vitacoco make up about 68% of the total sales in the first half of 2021. They also create revenue through private label of coconut water, and that makes up 26% of the sales in the first half of 2021. And then all those kind of other categories that I mentioned, that makes up 6% of the total sales in the first half of 2021. 89% of the growth in the coconut water category in the current year to date is attributed to Vitacoco. Coconut water offers consumers an affordable health and wellness choice priced more premium than traditional juices and carbonated soft drinks, while still more affordable than energy drinks and ready-to-drink coffee. Enabling Vitacoco to democratize healthy drinking and natural products and drive strong shopper metrics for retailers. Since just mentioned retailers, shifting this into some sales channel stats, despite achieving $237 million in retail sales for the 52 weeks ending September 5th of 2021, the company is continuing to experience 29% retail dollar sales growth across the United States and growth has been strong across all channels, mainly driven by velocity increases. In the Americas region, which makes up 85% of total sales, Food Drug Mass Channel makes up 36% of sales, Club makes up 35% of sales, and then the other sales channels make up 29%. The route to market in Americas include Direct Store Distribution, or DSD, at 47%, Direct to Warehouse at 47%, and also Broadline Distribution through UNFI and CAHI at 6%. The largest 
distribution customer is KDP, Keurig Dr. Pepper, which I mentioned earlier, that makes up about 22% of their current 2021 sales. And I also want to note in a concurrent private placement, Keurig Dr. Pepper actually is purchasing $20 million in shares from an existing shareholder for the Vitacoco company. And this kind of aligns with a previous prediction that I just had in a piece of content that I created around the five companies that Keurig Dr. Pepper should acquire in the next couple of years. If you haven't watched that piece of content, I will pop that one for you guys up here. Also leave the link to that content in the description. But the Vitacoco company's largest retail partner is Costco at about 32% of current year's sales. And then all the other kind of retail partners, none of them or distribution partners, they don't make up more than 10% of sales. So there's no other like key customer risks that the Vitacoco company needed to list out. I did want to mention that Amazon does make up about 6% of the Vitacoco company's sales and it has grown extremely quick over the last year, up 45% year over year. 15% of the net sales are made up outside of the Americas region that is predominantly in Europe at 60%. Also 15% comes from the Asian Pacific region and the rest of that revenue kind of comes from all the other countries. They're available in 24 countries currently and of those countries, the UK is the biggest where the Vitacoco brand has a 70% market share. Now, looking at customer stats and customer growth, the Vitacoco brand resonates with the fastest growing demographic groups in the United States. They over-index on multicultural and younger consumers and families, which allows them to capture a broad array of the population and creates early adoption. 55% of Vitacoco consumers are non-white with a large portion identifying as Asian or Hispanic. 43% of Vitacoco shoppers are Generation Z or Millennials. 41% of Vitacoco consumers have children at home. These are valuable shoppers who are more likely to seek natural organic foods, prioritize healthy eating, stay up to date on health trends, care about the environment, and engage in an active lifestyle, all of which align with the Vitacoco company's core purpose. And despite having 46% of the market share in the U.S. for coconut waters, the household penetration is still fairly low. It's under 10% for Vitacoco as a brand, and the overall coconut water category is only at about a household penetration of 21%. Vitacoco has a plan to substantially increase household penetration in the coming years. This surrounds them getting a benefit from the growth in their core customer base as a multicultural and younger cohort, which makes up an increasingly larger share of total shoppers. They're also planning on raising awareness by leveraging media strategies, increased pack and flavor offerings, also increased visibility and trial at retail with sales and promotion activities, and continuing to invest in e-commerce channels to drive higher consumption rates and loyalty. The Vitacoco company does have an asset light business model. They do not own their own manufacturing facilities. They use contract manufacturers. And they do this because unlike other packaged beverages that can be produced and co-packed anywhere, coconut water needs to be transferred from the coconut into a septic package within hours of the coconut being cut from the tree. This means that the production process needs to be set up as close to the coconut farms as possible to keep quality at the highest level. 
The Vitacoco company has a well-diversified global production network that spans across 10 countries, 15 coconut water factories, and five co-packing facilities. Vitacoco believes that they have technical resources and the expert know-how that they developed over the last almost two decades that helps their manufacturing partners become the gold standard in terms of high quality. And though they don't own their own facilities and manufacturers, they believe this network would be extremely hard to replicate. I also want to mention a little bit around their global supply chain because Vitacoco was the category creator in the United States. They have been inside the global supply chain for almost two decades and was one of the first companies in the United States to buy coconut water from Brazil. So over these years, they've been able to help the farmers in that country set up an infrastructure that would support the needs of the Vitacoco company. They believe they are the largest buyer of coconut water in the world. And outside of Brazil, they have supply chain partners in Philippines, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, and Vietnam. They currently source about two-thirds of their coconuts from Asia, and the other one-third comes from Latin America. And while climate control definitely can have a negative effect on any agricultural product, coconuts seem to be at least a little bit more resilient than some of the other crops in terms of the food supply. And the Vitacoco company believes that their scale, the diversification, the flexibility of their supply chain will be able to get around any of the issues in the future. It might come at a little bit of a cost to them, but they believe they're in a great position to ride out any of that environmental risk. The Vitacoco company also became a public benefit corporation in July of 2021. For the Vitacoco company, the public benefit purpose is defined as harnessing while protecting nature's resources for the betterment of the world and its inhabitants by creating ethical, sustainable, better-for-you beverages and consumer products that not only uplift our communities, but also do right by the planet. With social impact initiatives like the Vitacoco Project, the company continues to make a positive impact in its sourcing communities. The project's Give, Grow, Guide philosophy aims to build a thriving community that produces responsibly managed coconuts through best practices in farming techniques. Also support of the local infrastructures like schools and classrooms and investment in education through academic scholarship. The aim is to positively impact the lives of 1 million people in these communities. So I just want to end on some final thoughts and just kind of talk about maybe what's next for the Vitacoco company. They should raise a little bit over $200 million on this IPO, which would come out to somewhere around a diluted market valuation, around $1 billion to $1.1 billion. As pioneers and innovators, I'd expect the company to continue looking for white space in the natural, functional, and plant-based CPG markets. The co-CEO, Martin Roper, that joined the company in 2019, will seek to continue growing the diversified portfolio into well-recognized brands that have expanding international presence. I'd also expect the Vitacoco company to use their strength and balance sheet to be opportunistic in the mergers and acquisitions market, concentrating its efforts on growth 
businesses with complementary and synergistic properties. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 